Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Friday. It's the 15th of July. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Starting tomorrow, Iowans needing mental health support will have a new number to call, 988. IPR's Natalie Krebs has the details. When Iowans call, text, or chat online to 988, they will get connected to a crisis counselor who can provide phone counseling or connect them to additional mental health resources. The service is an expansion of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Emily Bloom is the CEO of Foundation 2 Crisis Services in Cedar Rapids. That's one of the organizations contracted with the state to set up 988. It's basically taking the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which has existed forever, and really saying we're going to make this more easily accessible and we're going to use it as a platform to really redesign crisis services across the country. According to state health data, the number of Iowans who have died by suicide has been increasing for the past decade. Iowa Attorney General Tom Miller issued a statement yesterday urging the Iowa legislature to support a red flag law in Iowa that he says would help reduce gun violence. Red flag laws involve reporting concerns to the police who can temporarily take a gun away from someone. Miller is a Democrat and says Iowa should take advantage of $750 million allocated to states to develop and implement red flag laws or extreme risk protection orders. Miller says studies show that such laws work, and he says red flag laws empower family, friends, and others to prevent tragedies. Meanwhile, Governor Kim Reynolds, a Republican, was asked about the possibility of a red flag law here following a press conference earlier this week. Reynolds reiterated her stance that a red flag law, she says, is not the only answer. When we focus on one solution to the issues that we see, um, the you know, the active shooters, uh, we, we tend to, um, I think, not think about what other solutions are, and we eliminate potential things that we could do, you know, right away. Reynolds says adding another law doesn't end the problem. Democratic lawmakers have made attempts to introduce legislation for red flag laws in the state, but Republicans control debate in both the House and Senate and have not advanced any legislation on the issue. Attorneys for one of the two teens charged in the beating death of a Fairfield High School teacher last November have asked that his trial be moved out of Jefferson County. They say Jeremy Goodale can't get a fair trial in the county because of the extensive media coverage of the killing of teacher Noema Graber. Court documents also cite numerous inflammatory social media comments about the case from people in support of Graber. Many of the comments also presume Goodale and his co-defendant Willard Miller to be guilty. Goodale's trial is scheduled to begin August 23rd. Miller's trial has been moved to Council Bluffs. It's scheduled to get underway on November 1st. And thousands of people visiting the Walcott Truckers Jamboree near the Quad Cities this weekend can also get vaccinated against COVID-19. Healthy Trucking of America will work with the Scott County Health Department to offer free vaccines and boosters at the I-80 truck stop. John Slaughter from Healthy Trucking says many truckers have not gotten vaccinated because they just can't find the time. Because, you know, a trucker will stay on the road upwards to 11 hours a day and 14 days at a time. And so whenever they come home, they usually have a three-day off. 
And so they're doing what I call honeydews around the house. And so they don't, it's not convenient for them. The Jamboree runs through tomorrow at the I-80 truck stop in Walcott. This is Here First from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hundreds of Iowa's rivers, lakes, and streams do not meet the Environmental Protection Agency's water quality standards and are impaired under the Federal Clean Water Act. While it's very easy for a body of water to get added to this list, it's much harder to get one removed. I looked into the story of how one small watershed in eastern Iowa was taken off that list and the likelihood that other waters in the state can too. Bob Kramer drives his all-terrain vehicle through Farmer's Creek, which rolls through some of his farmland in Jackson County. Because the creek is right here. I mean, literally right here. Kramer grows row crops and finishes 250 to 300 cattle here in eastern Iowa. It's a rainy day in late May, and from a high point, you can see how water naturally moves about the landscape. That's Farmer's Creek, which is all this. This, this all drains Farmer's okay. Creek. Yeah. It, it all goes that way. What happens on this and neighboring farms along the creek has a direct impact on the health of the waterway. There are many obstacles on his land to slow down the soil and manure from washing into this tributary of the Maquoketa River. There's a cattle structure with a concrete floor to keep manure from seeping into the ground. Kramer does no-till farming, has grassy banks along the creek, and there are earthen levees to keep water dammed during especially wet years. We're just borrowing this land from the future generation. So the idea was to leave it as good or better than it was when we, then we got it. And how commonplace are all the things that you've just shown me in that space for folks with similar operations? Not very. I mean, there, there is a few, but there's not as, probably not as many people do as much as I did with it. Until just a few months ago, Farmer's Creek was on the list of impaired waters in Iowa. But enough area landowners have started following Kramer's lead to get Farmer's Creek off that list. And it's taken years of work. His conservation started in the early 2000s, around the time it landed on the list. The EPA mandates that all states update that record every couple of years. Jennifer Kurth is a biologist with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. Kurth is riding in a pickup truck, getting a look at some of the work farmers have done in this area with the person who coordinated the movement. Kurth says the DNR is required by the feds to assess water bodies based on three different criteria. So one is recreation, so boating, swimming, fishing. The second is for um, what the biological community in the stream, so fish and invertebrates. And then the third is for um, as human drinking water. So in this case, with the fish kills and then the um, further sampling that was done in the creek, it was evident that the biological community was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. Roughly 14,000 tons of sediment from the highly erodible farmland surrounding the creek was washing into it every year. Kurth says getting an impaired water off the list is not very common. It does happen, but this is the, the first one that we've done that is based on the indexes of biological integrity, the scores of the fish and the invertebrates. Fast forward to today, and the creek is in much better shape. Sediment from erosion is down, and recent samples show a greater diversity of fish and invertebrate species. 
In late April, Kurth says it was officially delisted as an impaired water. It's much harder. There's more stringent standards that it has to meet in order to get it to come off. So in the case of Farmer's Creek, we had to have passing biological scores twice in two different years within a five-year period. Farmer's Creek is in a better place, but it took nearly two decades and a personal touch to make it happen. Kurth says the biggest thing this watershed had going for it was Michelle Turner from the Jackson County Soil and Water Conservation District. Beginning in 2005, she started helping local farmers learn about various federal and state public funds that incentivize cleaning up the water by implementing practices like Kramer. After all, these practices are all voluntary in the state, so an impaired designation does not demand any changes. Turner says it's nice when you get to know all the landowners personally. You don't have that advantage in a very large watershed that does whole rivers, you know, five or six counties. But when you're doing a small 30,000 acre with 125 landowners, you get to know them and become friends with them. It's, uh, I think you get more done. Turner says a lot of the buy-in came from creating local buzz and helping educate landowners. Nobody wants to be the only guy on the block who doesn't do something. And after somebody completed a, a program or a project, we would put their picture in the newspaper. They might win an award and they were in the, new, the newsletters. So I think when you start seeing everybody in the neighborhood on board, more people wanted to get involved. The story of Farmer's Creek is a local success story that other communities can learn from, says David Swartney. He's a civil and environmental engineer at the University of Iowa. He says many other waterways show the same symptoms, but the cure is not simple to repeat. We can't expect that every community is going to be able to rally and find the resources and the willpower and the collective good to improve their water bodies. We need to be asking ourselves why we have so many that are impaired in the first place and not just try to make these marginal improvements on the edge of our, of our agricultural system. But he says there are solutions. The University of Iowa runs a statewide monitoring network that provides real-time water quality data. But a more robust system takes more investment and commitment. But again, we need that to happen statewide and, and at far faster a pace if we're going to try to uh, make the meaningful change in water quality that, that again, I think the majority of, of Iowans are really hoping for these days. Meanwhile, back in Jackson County, farmers who share their namesake with this creek have done a rare tangible act of conservation, one waterway off a list of nearly 800 impairments in the state. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters in the Midwest Newsroom's Daniel Wheaton analyzed data for this report. Maps of the impaired rivers and streams in the state can be found at our website, IPR.org. Thanks for listening. You can find IPRs Here First wherever you subscribe to podcasts.